Hi, Joy here, and welcome to the Communitas Podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that this is a part two of a conversation Jeff and I had with Paul and Karen Henze. We were having such a good discussion that when we were recording, we completely lost track of time. So if you haven't heard part one yet, this isn't going to make too much sense. Go find that from last week and listen in, then come back here and join us to hear part two. That's so good. Again, so many nuggets just in the last couple of minutes. Um, a few things that that occur to me, this um, tendency toward internal development. Uh, and I've been part of organizations that have done that. Certainly in the in the business world, you, that's what you're doing, right? You're you're developing your differentiator. But when we put that in a in a faith environment, even denominational and and doctrine and all those things that flow into that, whenever I've seen internal development be the focus of a missions organization or even an individual church, the end result is creating the other. We're this, you're that, we're better, right? And it just create it, it creates a, a competition within the kingdom that shouldn't be there. Um, so that really struck me with what you said. The other thing you said, Karen, this this really struck me was as you were developing in kind of this new vision, new way, um, you said that uh, we weren't the most important leaders in the room. And that is so, so key, right? I call that humble leadership um, in a sense, but there's so much of a tendency for the thing to be about the leader of the thing instead of it to be about the movement of an organization, or it doesn't even have to be an organization, just the movement of God at work. Um, so yeah, wow, thank you for that that nugget um, of humble leadership. And then Joy, you just touched on this too. The last thing was, um, we've had to shift dramatically, and Communitas has done this over its 50 years, of what are the metrics? You know, when when I was part of a very large church, we had to make our denominational report every year, how many baptisms, how many conversions, how many new members, right? So th those were the metrics. It wasn't about lives being transformed. It was about the metrics for the church, and you either got rebuked or you got celebrated based on those metrics. And our, our metrics have dramatically changed, right? So speak to that a little bit. Like, how are you seeing, for lack of a better word, metrics or, you know, what we consider to be, quote unquote, success, you know, of a, a, a project or a mission or those kinds of things? I think the, the truism is you, you get what you measure. Yeah. Um, which should really scare us yeah. as evangelicals. Because hmm. when you look at what's going on in the larger movement, we're probably we're probably getting the fruit that we set metrics for. Hmm. Right? Wow. Um, and there's nothing that, there's nothing wrong with those metrics. Yeah. I did two decadal studies for two denominations in Poland where I used those metrics that allowed them to see as a denomination yeah. where growth was happening in one denomination. It was clear that growth only happened 
in the churches that planted other churches. Right. And that those churches that planted other churches were back at the original number within two years. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes. it's extraordinary. So I'm not, I'm not saying those are bad. What happens is those become, you know, how you reward people. Yeah. And so suddenly we're rewarding people for their metrics. And so what do they do? They either give up or they gain them. Yeah. You know, so I think that I'm encouraged by our, our local church that's starting to talk about um, the fruit of the spirit is our metric. Hmm. Yeah. Why Good. are we so mean? Right. You know, we're returning from Poland. This is a much meaner society than we left. People yes. are just mean for no good reason. Yeah. You huh. know, the the othering, mm -hmm. especially. So I think that that's one thing, you know, and I've heard a lot of people push against that. Well, that's not a metric. I'm thinking, well, why isn't it a metric? <laughs> Or how can we not make it a metric, but make it something that we're really concentrating on hmm. as a staff, as a church, right? So I think that that's part of it is we've, um, we have replaced, we've replaced this discipleship heart and seeing Jesus being recreated in others and have made it a metric instead and we've rewarded that metric yeah as a society i mean the book you buy the conferences you go to the people the podcasts you listen to are based on a different metric than is this a, a follower of jesus that i would want to emulate yeah. which is a different metric Right. So I think that that's part of it. There needs to be a, this larger discussion when we're talking about metrics. Uh -huh. um, and, and just one final thing. I've never met a lady missionary. Hmm. And a lot of churches push for metrics for missionaries hmm. to make sure that their money is being well spent. Hmm. I've never met a lazy missionary. They tend not to last very long. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's not something you go into for the money or the prestige. So I, I think that, that that's just a side. Yeah. Uh -huh. You know, and how we evaluate what's going on needs to be different than these metrics, these artificial metrics that we put yeah. out that are so easy to gain anyways. Yeah. So, yeah. Paul, you're saying we're reaping what we've sowed in Christian circles over the last 50 years, however long, hundreds of years. What would you say? I mean, you mentioned discipleship transformation. Are there any like specific things that come to mind for you that would start planting something else so that the harvest is different in the near future? Hey, I would say this is a feature, not a bug. In evangelical circles, we tend to talk about the bug, right? So Bill Gothard was a bug. Hmm. 
Um, Bill Hybels was a bug. Hmm. These people, these events, that's a bug. Right. Mark Driscoll, that's just a bug. Hmm. All of these, all of these meltdowns, that's just a bug. Instead of saying it's a, it's a feature. Hmm. This whole thing started when we came back for our sabbatical in 21 and on the airplane, I listened to the CT podcast about Mark Hill. Yes. I don't know if you've listened to it. It's damning. Yes. It, it was. How, it, how could we have ever let this happen? But it also yeah. brought into sharp, much sharper relief what we had seen in Poland. But you read that and you keep seeing the same thing repeat, repeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have to say, okay, so we programmed this in. Mm-hmm. Right. It's in the DNA. This is not a bug. Yeah. <laughs> this is something that the program is created to produce. Yep. Right. It's not a bug that just happens regardless. No, it's pretty significant. Mm-hmm. See, you know, and I keep coming back to Galatians and the fruit of the spirit. I really don't think that we have paid that enough attention. Um, What is it to look like Jesus to the world? Mm -hmm. Uh What does the kingdom of God look like here? Those are different questions that I think we should be asking. Very different. And we should, I'm not saying it's inconsequential to look for statistics. Like I said, I I think that those can be helpful, but those cannot drive what we do. Right. Because then we're, we're aligning ourselves with the statistics. You know, another thing that I'm, we're actually really excited about with our home church here in, in California is they're really focusing, intentionally focusing on their immediate context. Hmm. I call it the watershed, right? So what does our watershed need? Mm-hmm. What do these people around us need? Instead of chasing the statistics and creating something that someone will drive half an hour to be at, Uh you know, what do our local people need? Yeah. And and that's a whole different question. Uh And we'll metricize a whole different way. Yep. Different conversations as well, because, um, you know, we live in our churches is in an area that is quite mixed socioeconomically. But when Paul and I volunteered at a Harvest Fest event last last fall, we were the greeters, which was perfect because we got to meet everybody first and see who's really coming to this yeah. event. So many um, Latinx families, um, children fluent English, parents accented proficient English, older generation, a few words. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that leads to conversations. Um, I, I love teaching English, um, and I joined the Literacy Project, but not a church one, not a Christian one. Mm-hmm. The Santa Cruz Volunteer Center has a literacy project that's been going on for 50 years. Yeah. 
So I've joined that and, you know, and I'm enjoying teaching someone, but um, when I talked to one of the pastors, I said, you know, we've got a lot of unused space because the church isn't as big as it was, right? 30, when it was 3,500, it is not that it's quite small. Yeah. Um, wouldn't it be great if we had not a church English program, because that's what a lot of people say, oh, let's do a church, you know, a Christian English program, which I had so many of those in Poland. I was like, no, please. That is just not, it is yeah. not a good picture. Um, and I'm so pleased. So our pastor says, yeah, we would love to just give our space over to a group. Mm. We, if there's a group in the neighborhood, you know, that wants to meet here and have an English conversation group on our, that, that, that's great. Let's just do that. Awesome. We don't need to make it our thing. We join with what's already going on in the community with the literacy project. So I'm pursuing that now because that to me, um, that's not a metric, but it's a heart and it's a conversation that hopefully will lead to a different action. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. We were at a, um, an, a volunteer dinner on Sunday evening and I was talking to a lady who, I don't think I've ever met. She was sent an email to Paul about when the war started. We were still over there about who in um, what projects we could recommend for support in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. But we didn't know this lady, but I think she probably had seen us up front at some point. I don't know. But she came up and started talking about all of the um, money, -ish, money, you know, the different programs. Now I'm forgetting all the names and I probably better not to mention them anyway, that she was certified and used to do and helping people with money management. And, but we don't do that anymore. And so I, I said, what's an interesting comment. Do you think that there's a need for that in our community right here? Because mm. I'm sure there is. It's like, well, mm. so maybe that's a conversation to have. What about starting something that's not part of these bigger programs, but with all the experience you've had, you know, where people can just come and get financial um, counsel yeah. and, you know, not because you're trying to pull them into the church, but because you're trying to express the love of Jesus and kingdom values. Okay. And um, she kind of, I think I might follow up on that. It's like, okay. okay. So, you know, the, the question is, does that count? Is that a metric? Well, in God's eyes, I think those things all count. You know, and I don't think measuring is bad. I think it's, are we measuring the right things, right? right? Are we, because for any of us, there's maybe, there can be a temptation to just, you know, sit in one place and wonder why nothing's happening. Yeah. And mm -hmm. instead of saying, I'm going to intentionally, let's say, get out into the community in these ways every week and build relationships, that's a metric. Mm -hmm. Did you do it? Didn't you? Were you, did you have positive conversations? Not because people were targets, but because they're interesting creations of God and you enjoyed meeting them. Mm -hmm. You know, all those things are important, but we don't tend to count. Those are not, you know, if you have fun and you enjoy it and you're not thinking about the person as a target, then you probably shouldn't count it. Right. I mean, we have these weird <laughs> ideas, Yeah. but they're not God. They're not Jesus ideas, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. I want to shift a little bit um, because you, you both have that futurist strategic uh, strengths in both of you as uh, one observation is that there are so many right now who are looking at the decline of the church and saying this era is over. Um, well, 
a certain part of a certain era may be over. I actually think this is one of the most incredible moments in history to to realign toward you talk about fruits of the spirit, but realign in a way that that actually meets people with their needs right now um, that is extraordinarily powerful for uh, the kingdom. I, I just do. Maybe I'm too optimistic. But um, thinking about elements within communitas, we talk a lot about communion, community, and mission. Communion with God, community with, with people close to you, and then looking out uh, you know, towards towards the needs outside of, of a secular or a, a secluded kind of a group. Um, as you look to today and the future, what do you think are some of the cultural challenges that exist for communion, community, and mission? And what might be some, stra- you've already talked about it almost this entire hour we've talked, but what are some of the strategies that we can uh, imbue in next generation leaders that are attempting these things? I think that one of my biggest disappointments post COVID is that the church didn't change. Ah, yeah. That we went back to the way we did things once the threat of COVID was over. Mm. And, um, you know, one church that we're familiar with, they were actually talking about doing this thing where you would, meet with your small group three three weeks out of the month and then they'll have a then maybe go one of those weeks to a meeting a larger meeting yeah and then once a month having this big fiesta and they've kind of it's kind of not really worked out Mm -hmm. it just makes me sad yeah because i don't think that COVID caused anything. I think it allowed people to do exactly what they've been wanting to do, Mm. which is church doesn't have this bigger gathering doesn't have a meaning for me. Why would I go? So that anchors me to say, and one of the things we're still trying, I'm still trying to figure this out. Um, is I think post COVID we tend our groups tend to be bubble focused. Mm-hmm. We created bubbles. We maintain. We seem to maintain those bubbles now. At least how I experience things here and in Poland, that there is not as much of this the interaction between groups or permeability to groups that there were before. Mm-hmm. That that membrane has become more impermeable. Impermeable. I don't know if I'm right. I'm still trying to figure it out. But I do think that we need to rethink the big church experience to how do we get into these smaller gatherings? How do we create community? Mm -hmm. I mean, what is community for one? Yeah. Uh, But how do we create that? And then how do we make that either make that community permeable or like become a virus ourselves, if you want to call that and get into other bubble groups mm-hmm. how do we do that but i i really see much less it's going to be less effective in the future to continue to build big programs and more effective 
to focus on bubble groups. Hmm. That's just my feeling right now. That's what I'm kind of pursuing right now. I would say, and again, this is not tried and true yet. It's observation, initial observation. But I feel like our young leaders actually get this. Yes. I think our young leaders um, don't have the, the same baggage that my generation, that our generations have, that it needs to look like this. They don't necessarily even have the same comfort zone for this, right? Um, And so I I think, I mean, I really feel like in my life, in my life, my stage of life, probably one of the best investments I can make in terms of leadership is to, um, to be a cheerleader a coach and cheerleader for the young leaders. Yeah. You know, they do they have some amazing ideas and incredible skills that uh, I don't have. Yeah. And even if I actually had the skills, I would implement them in a way that wouldn't be nearly as effective as they will implement them. You know, but if we're not cheering them on or trying to mold them into our image or doing things the way we would see them done, then then we're going to miss so much wealth. Yep. in the kingdom and um you know i uh been um this is an aside but i think it illustrates a point um with a little health blip right now nothing serious but um it's turned me to certain podcasts focused on that issue mm-hmm. and um it's been amazing to me none of the podcasters that are doing interesting things that are helpful to me in this health issue are my age or even in their 40s wow yeah they're in their 20s, 30s. I mean, I've been following an amazingly smart French biochemist <laughs> who I figured out when I, she's my son's age. She's probably 31. Yeah. You know, and um, she's brilliant. Not only is she brilliant, but she's communicating information in a different way that I would ever think of communicating it. Yeah. And she's creating systems to help people that are um, well done but incredibly creative and empowering. I thought, okay, these young people are in our churches and our Christian communities as well, but many of them have not had the freedom or the empowering empowerment to do their thing, to show what they can do and be freed up to do that. Because, you know, my generation wants to instruct them in how to do it, for example, or, you know, that whole, you think you're never going to get to this in my day, but then you're (laughs) coming out of your mouth and go, oh man, (laughs) I just became grandma, you know, instead of saying, well, tell me what you're thinking, you know, what are your ideas? And um, I'm just encouraged. So I'm not discouraged at all. Um, I'm very encouraged with the caveat. I'm encouraged if we, and I'm speaking, my generation is willing to let go, step step aside, but still stay engaged as a coach, mm-hmm. as a mentor, mm-hmm. as a cheerleader, and let the younger people go with it because they have ideas that are going to make a difference. And yeah. I think that's one reason why I'm loving the role we're in in Communitas now with pre-deployment is you know, it's like, yeah, we're investing in the next generation. That sounds really good. But the reality is we get to do life and walk alongside and hear how amazingly intuitive, insightful, and smart they are mm-hmm. with their ideas, things that I wouldn't have thought of. Yep. 
And we can say, oh, that's great. Go with that. How cool is that? Right. That's, mm-hmm. that's joy. That's really a lovely thing to be able to, um, yeah, to see people, my kids age, yeah. my kids, but you know, our kids and, and their friends and young people coming up within communitas, see them create and learn and grow, fall down. Like we all have, like we still do get up, mm-hmm. keep moving and, and thrive. That's exciting. Yeah. That's exciting. And I think with community, we need to look outside of ourselves to see what community should be. Yes. And that's with the with the newer generation, younger generation, up and coming, whatever you want to call it. But I think even outside of church, how do people experience community outside of church? What does yep. that look like? You know, we used to talk about um, the longing before believing. Yep. But maybe it's not us being permeable. Maybe it's us adapting and adopting these uh, uh, culturally sensitive feeling of community rather than what makes us feel comfortable. Yes. How do those around us experience community? What does that look Mm -hmm. like? And adapt ourselves towards that. Absolutely. Oh, you guys are making me smile from ear to ear. This is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, just a quick observation. Um, having been part of planting churches that became very, very large. By the way, I am not anti-church. And, and it, you know, it's not as if we've discovered the secret sauce. You know, that, that Again, that creates the other, right? The Holy Spirit is at work and, and the Holy Spirit continues to be at work in so many different contexts. Um, and also the realization that the church we built when we were in our 20s and 30s, um, it it's not what next generation people are looking for anymore. It was what we were looking for, and it served its purpose for, mm-hmm. for us. What continues to amaze me about folks, let's say under 40, um, is that their sense of community is so much more mature than my sense of what community meant at that age. I mean, there, there's more um, uh, self-realization and there's an authenticity. I mean, we, we used to talk about in small groups, hey, you know, someone's going to have to play the vulnerable card. The generations behind us, they're already openly vulnerable. <laughs> but, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's beautiful in a sense to see it. Um, but if we stick in this... Uh, methodology of, hey, we created this cool thing 50 years ago and conformed to it, right? Um, It's a challenge to all of us over 50 to become the learners instead of assuming that we're the authoritative teachers. Because we've got more to learn, I think, in many ways than we have to teach. (laughs) So, boy, I I appreciate so much your your thoughts on that well i think we have a different function yeah yeah you know i i think we have wisdom yes yeah Mm -hmm. we have a much better feel for the right questions to answer to ask yeah but it's a different leadership Mm -hmm. right right I, i cannot tell 
uh, people going overseas now what they need to be doing, but I can be asking questions that I wish I'd ask, <laughs> you know, before yes. we went over. So. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. That's so good. Joria, you've got something ruminating? Oh, I was just thinking about the fact that when you were sharing, Karen, about how you're accessing that information for your health care, that the way that information is dispersed and made accessible by young people is just so different than how it was you know, with people that are in our generation. And I think that's the beauty of how they're creating community is it's it's they're, they're in each other's lives in all these ways that, you know, sometimes it gets a bad name, social media or, but it's creating community and accessibility and methodology is a completely different and they're already doing it. So yeah, it's just kind of following that lead. And then like you're saying, Paul, sort of being the coach, like, all right, you're center stage now. What do you need to, to be there and to kind of run your show? It's your turn. How do we pass that baton? Well, so it's really beautiful to hear your perspectives on that. I'll, I'll finish with one last question for you guys. Um, Communitas by no means is a perfect organization. I don't think the perfect organization exists. But what has been your experience? Because you you did go from one paradigm to, I'm, I'm assuming that Communitas was a bit of a different paradigm. What was that like for you? And And yeah, just speak to that just a bit. Um, <laughs> communitas is not perfect, um, <laughs> but, and it can be messy. Yes. Be messy. I think we're addressing some of that, which I, I love, um, you know, and, and we loved our, our first organization. We still have fond memories and lots of relationships. It just you know, there are times where you change and the organization goes in one direction and you go in another and you realize it's not a fit. Yeah. Um, so, but when, with Communitas, I think my experience has been Communitas heartbeat is community. There is, um, developing safe, authentic friendships within the organization was far easier than I'd ever experienced before. Mm. Um, and I think um, one of our distinctives, and people <laughs> some can look at it from different directions. We once had some Polish friends at a Communitas event, and, and his statement was, wow, these people have had a lot of problems in their lives, right? Mm. And we went, mm. oh, well, that's an interesting takeaway. <laughs> but this was a number of years before this particular person had some really hard things come into his life and uh, he would have never never make that statement today and i think there's this mm -hmm. redemptive piece that is in communitas that i love um we all have our stuff but we're still walking with jesus and jesus is still transforming us and creating opportunities and um it is my hope and prayer that 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 re remains very very core because um, our, the authenticity of our spiritual journey is what affects those who don't have one yet. Mm. They're not looking for a program or a cool methodology. They're looking for authenticity because, uh, you know, people are crying out for a relationship with God. Yeah. Whether they know that or not, you see it. And sometimes all they need is someone in proximity to 
to walk with them and share their own journey. And they go, oh, well, that was simple. You know, mm-hmm. so I think we do that well in Communitas. And my hope is that we'll continue to do that well um, and continue to make some work, make some improvement in, in the messiness. And, in you know, and I think we are. Sure. Yeah, I'm encouraged by that. I think we're working on better systems that that serve people better. Yeah. And I think that's key. It's not about creating a very cool, organized system and micromanaging people. It's about creating systems so people can be loved and served well. Yes. And empowered to do the work God's called him to do. Good. And so let's keep going on that. Yeah. 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 Amen to that. I think for me, communitas is experiencing grace. Hmm. I, I find it as a very grace based or grace expressive community. Um, I would get into these. Uh, these discussions with some of my Polish Polish friends, Polish ministry partners about, you know, well, you got to preach the gospel. You got to call people to repent. You got to remind them that they're sinners. And my, my point has always been until they know that there's grace, why should they, why should they acknowledge sin? Hmm. I mean, why would you, why would you take a guilt on yourself that you can't get rid of? And that we need to be grace forward rather than, you know, whatever the, the word you want to use forward. Uh, you know, tell the truth in love. Right. Right. We need to tell the truth in love. Yes. But they need to understand there's grace. Why would they come ever come to us? And I think that that's something I've really experienced and seen with our community is we we don't get it right all the time, but we really want to get it right. Yeah. We're not always graceful, but we really want to be graceful. Yeah. Or full of grace. Some of us are never going to be graceful, but we can all be full of grace. <laughs> there you go. Right. So I, I think that that's my number number one thing. And I'm not saying I haven't experienced it in other contexts. I'm just saying that I've experienced more it more regularly being a part of Communitas, being a part of this tribe. Yeah. 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 Thank you for that. That's you guys are such an inspiration to me and you and you're such a great representation of the heartbeat of um, what we are striving to be as an organization, but more than that, um, the heartbeat of the movement of the kingdom as we think of today and look forward. So what a joy it is to talk with you and thank you so much. I get to call you friends and that's a huge honor for me Uh, and the things that you have done, but that you continue to do and will do uh, as we think of next generation leadership going forward. So um yeah, thanks you guys. I hope I hope um our appreciation matches your generosity uh mm-hmm. to to what's happening. So 
Wow. Really appreciate you guys. Thanks for being a part of this conversation today. And I, I hope that we get to have more in the future. We only touched on <laughs> a few things. We could probably make this last two or three hours. So <laughs> yeah, this was good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, thank you very you. much for the invitation. It's been great. And we appreciate both you guys and all the work you're doing and your friendship. That's, that's key. Yeah. That's yeah. key. Yeah. yeah. Good, uh, good. Lovely chatting with you guys. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks. blessings on you, and we will. Um, we'll probably come up with some other specific topics that we could speak for two or three hours on too. So <laughs> we covered a lot today. So deep dive. Yeah, kind of did. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with the editing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Okay. There have been things that have been talked about here today that you would like some follow up on. We have show notes, um, so we'll put some resources in there. And also, if you would like to contact uh, the Hensies please feel free to do so. They'd love to have conversation with you on maybe what your journey looks like right now or next steps or things regarding features and bugs and all the fun things they talked about. So uh, they've made themselves available for that. And you can see that in, in the show notes. Well, folks, you have been listening to another episode of the Communitas podcast. And if you've received as much from this as I have, I would hope that you would leave us a review and share it with friends. We are available on all the major podcast platforms. You can subscribe and get a text every time a new episode launches. So uh, please do uh, follow us in that way. And we sure look forward to being with you the next time on the Communitas podcast.